is a few weeks old. And as it is when you have a child, people come to your house and bring you lots of food and want to visit and see the baby. And there he was in his bassinet, and we're talking softly. You don't want to wake, the, 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 wake up the baby. And so he's all snuggled up, and he's, he's, he's cute, and, and there he is. And my friend is there, one of my friends of our family, and we're looking at our son, my son, and, and he, he says to me, hey, you know, the, uh, your baby's not actually asleep. And I said, what are you talking about? Of course he is. He's asleep. He's snuggled up. He's got milk in his belly. He's happy. He's asleep. No, he's not. He's not asleep. Yes, he's asleep. He's clearly unconscious. But he's breathing. He's asleep. No, he's not asleep. He's waiting. He's waiting? Wait, babies don't wait. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for when you fall asleep. And I flash back to my childhood of when my father was probably taking a well-deserved nap. And I would pounce just the right time. Children seem to instinctu instinctually know when parents are right at that beautiful sweet spot of slipping between consciousness and unconsciousness. And where you're right in that wonderful place, right? And the, your kid just knows. And in a sense that seems like they were waiting for the moment to come and wake you up. I remember uh, after Halloween, a few years ago, we took some seeds from our pumpkin and tried to do this experiment where you can actually save them, right? You can put them in a bag and keep them in the dark. And the seed, in a sense, goes to sleep. And then in the springtime, like time we're in now, you can plant it and maybe you'll have a giant pumpkin in your yard come October. But what I've learned is that seeds don't actually sleep. Seeds actually are waiting. They are dormant, as, you, as really it's called, dormancy or suspended animation. And the seed essentially is, is waiting for when the conditions are right to wake up, to come to life, to spring forth. And the outer shell, the seed coat, falls off and a new plant comes. And it's a really kind of a miracle, right? Just like when the ground temperature is just right and when just the conditions are right. I mean, if you have plants in your house, the, you've seen this, the plants, they turn to where the sun is. That always amazes me. If you could even look at the root system of that plant, you would see that it is orienting itself to where the sun is shining. And I love that lyric of the song we sang earlier, Joyful, Joyful. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. You know, Palm Sunday, it's really lovely, right? It's sort of like we get to be in a skit, you know? It's like performance art. We have branches and we get to do this, and it is, it's good, it's very, it brings up great memories for a lot of us, especially for me, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great day in the Christian calendar. But it's more than that. The people in Palm Sunday were coming to life. They were asleep, and they were waking up. The conditions were perfect for them to come to new life, and when you're in the presence of Jesus, Everything changes and life is born and that is what they are celebrating in that moment. Their hearts are unfolding like flowers before him. Hear these words from Mark chapter 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage in Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you 
And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. See, even Jesus doesn't steal. Isn't that nice? Then they went away and found a colt near them, tied outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany and the twelve. So as we saw in that video, some people in the crowd decided to worship. worship. Other people didn't. Other people, maybe they just didn't think of anything was going on. It's just another parade or something. You know, everybody that was there that Palm Sunday had a choice to make. And I think that's important to say because people aren't seeds. We're not, we're not bound by our, you know, like a, like a seed is. A seed can't burrow deeper away from the sun. A seed can't choose to not come to life. But people can. People have that ability of volition, of choice. And there were people there that Palm Sunday who did choose, who did choose to really sacrifice. I mean, a coat, it's a big deal, especially when you don't own a lot of stuff. Laying down your coat so that a donkey can walk on it. I mean, when was the last time you laid your coat in the mud and then you high-fived your friends? Probably not very recently, but they did because it wasn't about what I'm laying down. It's about who is walking on it and why am I laying it down to begin with, and that why is because their hearts were unfolding like flowers before him. But not everybody's heart was unfolding. It was a choice that people were making because faith and hope and love and yes, worship is a choice. It's a choice we make. It's all done by faith. And as Jesus said in another Palm Sunday account of Luke 19, if they don't cry out, well, the stones will. And you hear that, and it sounds kind of perplexing, but really what Jesus is saying is, this is the sound of the universe. This is the chorus of creation, is worship. And if you don't join in with it, that's your choice. But all of creation is already doing it all the time. And when we join in worship, we're simply joining in with the song that was already there at the very beginning, from everlasting to everlasting. So if you don't worship, everything else will. I think when we hear the birds singing, or you hear these sounds, I think they're giving glory to God, like St. Augustine used to say. Because people are drawn to praise. It's instinctive. We're drawn to worship. There really is no better witness, really, to the world than the worship of the church, than this idea of a Palm Sunday worship or our hearts unfolding like flowers before him. People are drawn to it. It's instinctive. It's built within us. I remember when I was 18 years old and I was a college freshman at UNC Asheville, and the first few weeks of college were, are, no one ever tells you this, but they're actually the most important weeks because you decide who your friends are. And if you don't decide who your friends are, other people will decide for you who your friends are. And I made some bad decisions and I was hanging out with some of the wrong people. And I was confused and I was mixed up like you are when you're that age. Actually, 18 to 25 is a lot harder 
than being, being a teenager is sometimes. But anyway, I digress. As I was walking by an open window of the student union, I heard uh, the sound of a joyful sort of worship or singing or I don't know what it was, but as I walked by the window, I thought, what was that? Like, it spoke to me. And I remember just walking by and thinking, I wish I had, I wish I felt like that right now. But I didn't. But then as it would come to pass, and a, few, a year or two later, I would become friends with a lot of those people and would join in with their minist- campus ministries uh, and things like that. Because there really is no better outreach to the world, no better witness to the world than our worship, the worship of God. It, people are drawn to Jesus. Even he said, I will be lifted up on a pole and I will draw all men and women to myself. When Jesus' name is lifted up above our names, he draws people to himself. I mean, I've been to a lot of cool churches, y'all. I've even worked in some churches like, like in Charlotte, these mega churches. I have a friend that works at a church where their children's ministry, when you drop off your kid, you put them on a slide, I'm not making this up, and they go down a slide to the floor below you and they land in a ball pit. That's how you drop them off for children's ministry. I mean, that's cool. I've been to churches that have double-decker basketball courts for the kids in their church, coffee bars and, and all this cool stuff, automated Starbucks machines, I mean, all this stuff. And it's great. It's all just tools. It's just tools. And this is a great tool, right? It's an amazing tool God has given us. But let, let us never trust more in the tool than in the Spirit of God because he's the only one that changes lives. Technology can't do it, a Starbucks machine won't do it, and a slide to your children's ministry won't do it. It's his presence of the Spirit that changes lives. Even in John 6, 63, Jesus said this, it is the Spirit that gives life. And he's very blunt, the flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. fill. That is classic idea that it's only the Spirit of God that can fill us and remake us as temples of the Holy Spirit. And so if, if people are drawn to God's presence like they were in that Palm Sunday, then half the work's already done. People are drawn to the presence of Jesus. They, they may not like the church very much. There might be good reasons for that. But it's Jesus that people will always be drawn to. He's always going to be the most influential person that ever lived. And so the goal of this service, of any church really, is to get people into God's presence. Because you and I can't change anyone's life. But what we can do is bring people to Jesus and he will. Amen? That's an amen. Because he will do it. It's like creating the right conditions for a greenhouse. The greenhouse can't force things to grow. But when you create the conditions, life can occur. This past December, I visited the Biltmore House, which I've been to many times. Um... And uh, as I get older, the house, it's beautiful and everything, but it kind of creeps me out. Um, is it haunted? Maybe. I don't know. But um, I've read it. It's, it's the fastest way to, to blow your for- fortune, which he very well could have done. But it's very impressive. But I was more impressed this past December by the conservatory or the greenhouses. It's, I've never been in it before. If you've never walked down to that, please do, because it blew my mind. It's really big. There's just rows and rows of exotic plants and orchids and all sorts of things that have been there over 100 years. And the greenhouse is still operational like it was over 100 years ago when it was built. And at the top of the greenhouse, there are these little gears that turn every so often and the the ceiling will open. And it lets out the humidity and lets air flow and it keeps the plants alive. And, And in the same way, 
It's the Spirit of God that creates the conditions for transformation to occur, for hearts to unfold like flowers before him, for people to come to life. It's only the Spirit of God that does that. A few years ago, my wife and I went on a really interesting trip to Northern California and went into Yosemite Valley and went to see the redwood trees and the giant sequoia trees. These trees are like over 380 feet tall. Okay, think of the Bank of America building in downtown Charlotte. That's how tall some of these trees are. 2,000 years old. Incredible things to walk around. And what I learned while I was there was, in order for the redwood seed to germinate, it has to catch on fire. So fire is part of the ecosystem of that part of the country. In Australia, there are seeds that have to have smoke on them in order to open. Isn't that interesting? That there's certain conditions, only certain ways that seeds will actually come to life. And the Spirit of God creates the perfect conditions for human beings to open and to come to life. It's only in his presence that our hearts can unfold like a flower before him and we get transformed. If you get into the right environment, you see this throughout the New Testament. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John ten ten, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, not halfway life. First John, the same man who wrote the Gospel of John would write an epistle or a letter. First John, whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, a lot of people today are physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. I don't get any joy out of saying that, but for those of us who remember our lives before Christ, I think that's true. That's how I felt when I was 18 years old walking by that window in college. I knew that I was spiritually dead. And I knew that I needed Christ in my life, but I didn't know how to get it. And the good news is, is that it's, it's incredibly easy. You simply open your heart to God and say, God, I receive you into myself. I give you my heart and my life. Make me a new creation. But the, the real step is a word that people don't really like very much, but it's a good word. And the word is Repentance. One way to think about repentance is really taking off the outer coat. Did you know that seeds, and I know we're getting sort of a botany lesson here today, I apologize. I'm not a botanist, by the way. But seeds have an outer shell, and it's called the seed coat. And the seed coat of the, sh of the seed, it does its job. It protects the life that's inside of the seed. It keeps it safe. But the outer seed coat is not the seed. Eventually, it falls away, and it becomes compost to help the real plant grow. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus would say something like this in John 12, where he said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, he's, think, he's maybe teaching about his own life, because we know that he would die when bear much fruit. But when we die to ourselves, when we let go of that seed coat, and, and, and give our lives to Christ, we will come to life and bear much fruit. Now, if you apply this to your own life, the seed coat is what maybe, maybe what we, we develop at an early age to protect our tender hearts. And that's not necessarily wrong or sinful or anything to feel bad about. But it's when you begin to depend on the seed coat more than God 
that's when things can get bad. Instead of depending on the real life that's inside, the new life that only Christ can bring. See, the outer shell, the outer seed coat, can look like it's alive, but it's not. It's only what's within that God can bring to life that counts. So it isn't interesting then that on Palm Sunday, Jesus is walking into Jerusalem or riding on a donkey, and the people are laying down a coat on the ground. Because I think they're laying down much more than just a, a garment. What if God is calling us to lay down your pretending, to lay down the externals, to lay down the defenses, to lay down your selfie culture, to lay down what other people see, to lay down what looks like it's alive, but it's not, and it never was. Because like 1 John said, people apart from Jesus Christ, you look like you're alive, but inside you're dead. And God is not here to judge. He's not here to condemn. God is for you. But in his love, he says to us, you have been asleep, and I'm entering, and you have a choice. Will you lay down the externals in front of me and come to life in my presence or not? Will you remain sleeping? Will you remain in suspended animation? Will you remain in dormancy? Or will you let me bring new life from the inside out? A life apart from Jesus is merely a shadow of what life could actually be in the light of God. But it's hard because the world can put a callus over our hearts. I mean, there's no shame in trusting in that seed coat because you want to defend and it's difficult. But God wants you and I to have tender hearts, tender hearts in his presence. God wants to bring us to life like a flower before him. And we're going to sing one more song. And it's a good word for all of us that as we come into this time to use Palm Sunday as a chance to lay down that outer seed coat, if you will, in his presence. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do give you thanks on this Palm Sunday that as you entered Jerusalem so long ago and the people lay down what they had in front of you, God, that you, we haven't changed. Today, you pass by. You pass by our lives, and we have a choice too. No matter who we are, where we've come from, we have a choice. Will we come to life in your presence? Will we reach out by faith, or will we not? God, your heart, your burning desire is that we would, is that all men and women would, but you do give us the ability to choose. God, today, I pray that we let you in and let go of the things that maybe we need to let go of, the things that are dead. And God, through your grace and through your power, you will use those external things as compost to feed our new life in you. So God, I pray that we do indeed build our lives upon your word and build our lives, Lord, upon your promises that are steadfast and true and everlasting. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.